Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about some common missed compulsions. Just going to go over a few of them that I notice get missed. This is by no means fully comprehensive because there are so many I could discuss with you, but I notice that these get missed a lot. And so I want to kind of go into them. And then in the second half of the podcast, I want to talk about what does it mean? You know, so if we notice these compulsions, what do we do with them in general as the parent? And so I will discuss that as well. But before I get started, I'd like to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to even see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. The link will be in the show notes. Okay, so let's just jump right into this. In general, just total brief introduction to OCD. This is not an introduction kind of podcast, but OCD is having an intrusive thought or feeling and then the need to do or avoid something to get that brief relief. And the need to do or avoid is what we call compulsions. And OCD grows because the more you do the compulsions, the more intrusive thoughts and feelings you have. It's a vicious cycle. And so it's important to understand that. So when we're talking about compulsions, we're talking about the second part of OCD. We're talking about the the action or avoidance that happens to get that brief relief. And the more kids try to get that brief relief or the more parents try to accommodate to get that brief relief, the bigger those neural pathways grow and the bigger the disorder gets. And so it is very much like quicksand with OCD. So I'm going to just jump right into it. I wrote some themes that I think about when I think of ones that get missed a lot. And the first one, this is kind of a I I did tell somebody I was going to do a whole podcast on this, and this is actually what spurred me on to do this topic because I have done this topic before. I think I have a podcast back in like 100 episode area, which was called, I just looked it up. I think it was like three common missed compulsions in OCD. Where is that? Yeah, it's episode 163 because to be honest, I forget what I've done. (laughs) And I know a lot of you haven't gone back that far in my library. And so sometimes repeating topics is a good thing. I'm not even sure what three compulsions I talk about in that episode. And I'm too lazy to find out right now. It's been a really busy day. Just got back from the orthodontist because my son was eating rock candy and broke his bracket. He's got ARFID, so I let him eat whatever. But I think I might need to set some limits on the rock candy and chewy candy. And so it's just been kind of a busy day. So you can go and check that one out as well. And I'm sure it'll be helpful. But I know I don't have a podcast on spitting. And that is the question that I do get often is my child's spitting. Um, What's that about? And if they're a little bit more savvy with OCD, they'll say my child's spitting. It's a compulsion, but I don't understand why. And spitting is actually a really common compulsion. And it's important as we go through these to understand that a compulsion is the fever. I say this a lot to my members of the AT parenting community because they can talk to me back and forth in the forums. Um, We have a member forum. And so they have like direct access to me. And a lot of times parents will say things, 
well, my child does this, this, and this compulsion. And so what should I do? Or what OCD theme is that? And I'll, I'll often say that a compulsion is a fever. And so if somebody has a fever, we're not like, oh, they have blah, blah, blah disease or blah, blah, blah illness. No, it's a symptom, right? It's just like if you smell smoke, you know, something's on fire, but you don't know what it is or where it is or why it is, right? So a compulsion is the smoke. It's the fever. It's a symptom. And it can mean a million different things for different kids. And so you don't want to get stuck on saying, okay, if my hand, if my child washes their hands, then they're afraid of germs. And if they're afraid of germs, they're afraid of dying or getting sick. And so I get that one. Nope. That can be confusing because a child could wash their hands for all sorts of different intrusive thoughts and feelings that have nothing to do with germs. Or it could be related to germs in a different sort of way. They could be worrying about harming other people with their germs, which is more of a harm OCD. Or they could be just disgusted by dirt on their hands. And it's just more of a a feeling, not a fear that they feel disgusted. So be careful with that. You know, have an awareness that a compulsion is just saying my child has like 104 degree fever or they have a rash and I don't know why. Think of it in medical terms. It's just a symptom of something else. So spitting can happen for all sorts of reasons. And you might notice that they're just spitting everywhere. I had a boy that would spit in my office just, you know, and then, or he'd get up and he'd go to the trash can and spit. Sometimes it's treated as a behavior problem or a poor manner problem. You can have kids that are a little bit more cautious about it and they like spit into their shirt. So you might notice that your child's shirt is all wet or their sleeves are all wet. And a lot of the time it's because there is something that they perceive that is contaminated in their mouth. So it's a way for them to get rid of whatever is contaminated in their mouth. Now it's OCD, so it doesn't have to make sense. So they can have a bad thought and have to spit it out. (laughs) You know, they could have breathed in something near someone, someone who they perceive their OCD perceives as a bad person and they breathe the air next to them. They have to spit it out. So it could truly be anything based on what their core fears and core feelings are. So that's spitting. We're just covering compulsions today. So we're not going to go into what some of those core fears are could be in depth. I'll mention a couple of them, but I just want you to be able to spot these behaviors that you're seeing in your kids and say, hmm, that could be, you know, that could be a compulsion. We don't want to become the OCD police. And so there's this balancing act that we have to do as parents to say, I don't want to have my head in the sand. I want to be able to see these things and be a data collector. I don't want it to get to the point where that's all I see in my kids, that I all I see is their OCD. But I also want to not be naive and I want to watch for patterns and I want to watch for potential weeds that we might have to pull. I'm not going to bring this to my child's awareness until I have a lot of data that says, wow, I've been watching him spit for a really long time, or it's definitely something. And so now I'm going to have the discussion with my son. And we'll talk about that in the second half. Like what, what do we do with the next steps after this? So they're spitting. Another one that is subtle, there's a couple of subtle ones that involve you. And again, if your kids do this, it doesn't mean they necessarily have OCD or that it's part of their OCD. It's a red flag that it could be. Um, There's plenty of kids who spit and don't have OCD. So this is not a diagnostic episode. If your child spits and they have OCD, this is if your child already has OCD and or they have anxiety and you're like, I'm on the fence about OCD and you're listening to these types of compulsions. And then you can look at your child's behavior and say, "Hmm, that's interesting. I am seeing that. So some that involve you, you can have a child that just randomly all of a sudden, and again, sometimes it's like an all of a sudden thing. And so 
if your child has always done this, you know, forever, you know, then it's not, not always as big of a red flag as when it suddenly comes up that your child is asking for permission. You know, mom, can I take a towel out of the cabinet to take a shower? Uh, yeah, honey, go ahead. Mom, can I take a shower now? Yeah, sure. Mom, can I take an apple from the refrigerator? So if your child's asking you for approval for things that are, you know, nonsensical, things that they don't need approval for, that's a red flag. It can be a sign of moral OCD. A lot of times, you know, kids with moral OCD will ask for permission. Another thing that you might see with kids with moral OCD, often they will have a fear of lying. And so they might soften their words and this gets missed a lot. And it would get missed in my therapy sessions for quite a while. It would take a while for me to talk to a kid and notice how they talk. And then once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. I heard it in everything and how they talked. And so when kids have moral OCD and they have a, one of their intrusive thoughts says, you might, you might be lying or you may not really feel that way. You're not being honest. Uh, they will soften their sentences with maybe, or I think, or I guess. Once you start hearing it, you can't unhear it. And so um, do you want spaghetti or pizza? Well, I think I want pizza, I guess. How was your day? It was good, I think. Or um, did you say that? Um, I think so. So it's things at the end of their sentence that that soften it. So it's not a, it's not a definite, if that makes any sense. That's something to look for because that's also a very common one. Another one is a really hard time making decisions. And so you can see that in anxiety as well, like kind of a FOMO anxiety issue where I'm afraid I might pick the wrong choice. But a lot of times it moves into the OCD category because OCD often is about doubt and uncertainty. And choices create that. Oh, is this a good choice or not? And so if you can't even talk to your child about like, what's your favorite color? And they can't, they can't give you a definite. A lot of times that has to do with if I say blue, but maybe it's pink, I'm lying. Or if I want this, but then I really want that, then I might live with regret forever. And so, and I can't handle that feeling. It will be different for each kid, but that's something else to look for. While we're on this topic, I have it down a little bit farther on my list, but I'm going to do it now because I want to clump all these parental involvement ones together. Confessing. And so this one can get missed by people who are new to OCD, but once you're like seasoned around OCD, this is not a a surprising compulsion. And so kids will have to confess. Um, They'll confess thoughts. um, They'll confess things they did. The theme typically in the confession type of thing is like a a bad thought or I did a bad thing. I'm a bad person. This black and white thinking. And unfortunately, a lot of times parents will just think it's a self-esteem issue and therapists too, who are not trained in OCD. And they'll try to like process this. You're not a bad person. And you know, everyone makes mistakes and you can't talk to OCD. So when you do that, then you're going to hit some roadblocks because you're, you know, you're growing those neural pathways and you're growing OCD inadvertently. And that's why it's really helpful to understand OCD on a very concrete, deep level. Um, that's why I created an online course called How to Teach Kids to Crush OCD because I know a lot of parents can't access therapy or they want something for themselves. How do I do this? What's my role in this? And so for under three hours, you can watch a course and you could really have as much information that I would provide to you in four or five therapy sessions because I'm just spilling out the information. And you can always check out my courses at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And I have one for kids and teens too, so they can learn directly. But I do think it's important for parents to understand this stuff too, even if their kids you know, take a course or have therapy and get it as well. 
So, cause it does involve us a lot of the time, especially with the confessing or the checking, those can be really challenging things. You know, another one, when we're talking about the parent interaction, and then we'll move on to other things. My child did this too. And I, I missed it for a little while. She had like depersonalization and derealization. And I do have podcasts on that. And so you can just go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and go to the search button and type that. And you'll, or you can go to my YouTube channel and I will have things on that. But it's sometimes it's just an anxiety thing. And sometimes OCD will glum onto it. So with my daughter, she was having intrusive thoughts that I wasn't her mom, that I was a robot. And that's a really common way to experience derealization in the young kids. And so she would say to me stuff when I was tucking her to bed. This was like just a brief period of time that she went through this because I caught it pretty early on. But she would say, mom, what's your favorite color? And I'd answer her. I thought it was kind of cute. And then she'd say, what would my mom say if I said, like, what's your favorite movie? And I'd answer it. What's your date of birth? And I'd answer it. And she goes, okay, you're my mom. And then it took a few times of her doing this for me to realize she's checking. (laughs) And so we discussed, you know, what's going on for her. And then it turned out that she was having some struggles with intrusive thoughts that, you know, I was a robot or I wasn't her real mom and she needed to confirm that. And so that would be a really subtle compulsion that you might miss when your kids are checking with you. And so I pay attention to like the things my kids are asking me because I find that there are, there's information and data in the questions they ask. And so pay attention to those questions. Okay. Moving on from there, ticks and bodily movements can sometimes get confused. And so you can have a a child who looks like they're having a tick. They're moving their eye in a certain direction, or they're moving their body in a certain direction. And it looks like a random tick. And sometimes it is ticks because there are comorbid conditions. Ticks is a very common comorbid condition with OCD, with pandas and pans. Tourette's is a very common comorbid condition with anxiety and OCD. There's Tourette's OCD, which is like an urge to move your body. And, and so it's partly tick, part OCD, which gets really confusing. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a movement that is completely controlled by me. I don't have the urge to do it. I'm doing it for a different reason. So for example, there are kids in my practice that would have to look around the room. They'd have to touch with their eyes four corners. My daughter started doing this recently, and, and luckily she's very vocal. And she said, you know, sometimes mom, I just have to like look, I don't remember what she was talking about, like look at the four corners of the room. It's just a game I play. And I said, you know, I know that's a game that you play, or I know that you're saying that's a game that you play, but that is an OCD compulsion with some kids. So you might not want to have that as a game because it can turn into a compulsion. Then she's like, oh, okay. Whether that becomes an issue or not, I don't know, but just my education can help her. I've had kids who had to send love to objects around the room and it it made their eyes look like they were twitching. I had one boy who did kind of a jerky thing with his hand and he was seeing a neurologist and he was, you know, being explored for ticks. And when I talked to him and he was little, like maybe six, and I had said something like, I started to explore, you know, whether he had control over it and what would happen if he didn't do it. And he said that he had a very in-depth reason why he was doing it. He said, I touch my heart and then I send it off to my mom and so that she can know I love her. And if I don't do that, something bad's going to happen to her. And it looked like a tick, but it was completely controlled and it was a compulsion. It was a pure compulsion. There was no involuntary bodily movement happening. It looked like a tick though. So something to flesh out and differentiate when you see your kids doing things like that. 
Often they are ticks, but um, there are a lot of eye compulsions that are based on an intrusive thought or feeling. And that's the difference. Not that this episode is about that, but that is one of the main differences is with a tick, it's involuntary. It just happens. Um, with teretic ticks, with teretic uh, OCD, it's more of like this urge. You know, I feel the urge to move my body, but there is also this awareness. And there's there's not enough research on teretic OCD. It's it's coming out over time. But then when it's pure OCD, I'm having an intrusive thought or feeling, and I'm doing something with my body to get that brief relief. And so I'm doing something to ward off bad things from happening, or I think my I'm personifying inanimate objects like that one kid was doing, and I'm sending off love to that object. You know, there's other intrusive thoughts that are very specific and non-tick related that really speak to it being OCD. Okay. So moving on from that, I just want to cover two more today because I don't want to overwhelm you, but I always like to pour a little bit more tea in your education cup so that every time you listen to me, you learn maybe something that you can take away and file in your library of your brain. (laughs) So numbers are also a common one. It might might be obvious, it might not be. But a lot of times people think these are kind of quirky things like, oh, my child always has to have the volume at number three, or my child hates even numbers and they really prefer odd. Or, you know, whenever we turn on the TV, it always has to go and get set to four because five is a bad number. It might seem quirky, but when your child has numbers that are their favorites or their enemies, that is definitely a compulsion. And so that's something to be aware of and not accommodate in your environment and in your world, because the more you accommodate that, the bigger that issue can grow and become a bigger issue. And so the last one I want to mention is avoidance. And avoidance is a very big generic theme, you know, compulsion, but people miss it. They'll say, you know, I don't think my child has any compulsions. And then they'll continue on and they'll say, well, my child can't sit, you know, on the red chair in our house and my child can't touch doorknobs and my child can't say the word trash and we can't do, we can't hand him this particular cup and my husband can't come into the kitchen when I'm cooking and yeah, but I don't think he has any compulsions. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, you just listed a million compulsions. Those are all compulsions. So when your child or teen is actively avoiding And avoidance compulsions look a little bit different than anxiety compulsions. So anxiety compulsions are like, they're not compulsions. Anxiety avoidance is like, you know, I'm afraid to publicly speak. And so I'm going to avoid, you know, I'm going to be sick the day that I have to present at school, or I'm afraid I'm going to throw up. So I don't want to go to school. I want to just avoid it. Or I'm afraid my parents are going to, you know, die if I'm separated from them. So I don't want to separate. I'm going to avoid separation. I'm going to avoid school. I'm going to avoid presenting. I'm just avoiding things that trigger my anxiety. And we want to still walk towards those things, but that's just like avoiding the discomfort that anxiety brings. Avoidance with OCD when it's a compulsion is a little bit more like nonsensical and it's a little bit more concrete. So I might avoid people that are emotionally contaminated. I might avoid places, objects that are emotionally contaminated or physically contaminated. I might avoid words, clothing, situations, places that have things that are going to trigger my OCD. So if I have harm OCD, I might want to avoid knives. I might avoid the kitchen or I might avoid doing the dishes. If I have disgust OCD. I might avoid anything that I think is going to trigger that. So I might avoid all the ketchup in the fridge, or maybe I can't even go near, near the fridge because there's ketchup inside of it. And so that avoidance tends to be 
more blanketed, like it expands over time. So it starts off with something simple, like I'm going to avoid the ketchup. You know, ketchup creates a disgust feeling in me and the core feeling, not fear, is disgust. And ketchup is the culprit. This is a common one I've actually seen a lot. And so initially it might just be, I don't like ketchup. I'm not going to use it, right? And that's when we approach things in a in a rational sort of way. Okay, well, they don't like ketchup, so no big deal. Like, just don't use ketchup. But when it's OCD avoidance, it doesn't stay put. It expands. So if I have anxiety and I don't want to, you know, present, then I'm going to avoid all those situations. And that can grow and expand because anxiety can also make your world really small, but in a way that makes more sense. Still not helpful, but in a way that makes more sense. So I'm going to avoid parties and I'm going to avoid people and I'm going to avoid situations where I think there are people, but it's still, it's still making sense. You know, if, you know, it's all related where OCD often can be a little bit more nonsensical. And so maybe I avoid just using ketchup and then I can't sit at the table when other people are using ketchup because it's upsetting me now. I'm afraid I might feel that feeling of disgust. And then I might say, you know what? I don't even want to open up the kitchen like refrigerator because I don't know. I say kitchen refrigerator as opposed to all the other refrigerators in your living room and your dining room. But some of you might have them. I don't know. But I might avoid the refrigerator and say, I can't open it because I think there's ketchup in there. And then maybe you guys accommodate and you say, okay, well, we just won't put the ketchup in the house. That's fine. And then I might say, well, you know what? I can't go into any restaurants because there's ketchup on the tables. And then you're like, okay, well, we'll just get takeout, right? Oh, I can't, I can't touch takeout bags because one time I saw ketchup in, in a ketchup packet. And so now I can't get takeout or I can't touch that. And it, by the way, it touched the, the counter in the kitchen. And so I can't touch the counter anymore because the counter is contaminated. It reminds me of ketchup, which makes me feel disgusted. And so now the, the, the kitchen is contaminated. So you can see how it went from one small avoidance that seemed not a big deal to blowing up and making so many things contagious, like contaminated, contamination can spread. So that's just an example of avoidance and how it can grow with OCD. So when we get back, I'm going to just briefly touch on what we do when we understand new compulsions and where we go from there. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had 
worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized that it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's a nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it. And I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Well, welcome back. Okay, so if you start to spot new compulsions, we're not going to talk about the old ones because this is a more in-depth, advanced discussion about compulsions and not an introductory, you know, you're just discovering some new compulsions, like brand new. I do recommend that you learn about OCD if you are brand new to all of this because a lot of my podcast episodes go deeper. I have so many people in my audience that are really well-educated. I've got OCD therapists who listen to this, parents who have been in treatment for years and years and years. And so these are very knowledgeable, skilled people. And so I try to make my podcast add a little something, something (laughs) to even those people. And so if you are new, you know, read a book. I like um, Talking Back to OCD by John March. It's an oldie, but goodie. I offer online classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. There's plenty of ways to educate yourself so that you get the foundation so that we can talk about these more in-depth topics. So if you're seeing new compulsions and you're starting to see it for quite a while, remember our goal is to find the core fear or core feeling that's driving it. A lot of times, you know, I always say, and a lot of people in the OCD world say that OCD is like an octopus. And we say that because there's a lot of different tentacles but it's still the same beast. And so OCD is OCD regardless of what intrusive thought or feeling it's presenting or what compulsions your kids are doing. And so the foundation of how you're going to approach OCD and how they're going to approach OCD is the same no matter what intrusive thought or feeling is happening and what compulsions they're doing. But compulsions, like a fever or a rash, have something to share with us. So they are good data. Because when I know my child's core fear, then I can make better exposures. And I like that. I want to really understand what core fear or core feeling they have. Most kids have a few core fears or core feelings at any given time, and they can change and morph. But more often than not, the symptoms change, the compulsions change, the intrusive thoughts change, but the core fear or core feeling often stays the same. Until OCD is like truly on the run and it's like desperate and it's grabbing at different tentacles, it's trying to glum onto different things, that's actually progress. I do have a whole YouTube video on OCD and an octopus. <laughs> so you just go to my YouTube channel. If you just type in Natasha Daniels on YouTube, my channel will pop up. And then if you're on my channel and you're on a desktop or an iPad, there isn't a search feature on the phone where you can actually search a channel and not all of YouTube. And so if you type in any keyword, a video that I've created will pop up. And I've made a video literally on everything and they're for your kids and teens directly. So you can check those out as another resource. But when I see something new and I'll try to think of something 
that has recently happened in my family to give you a really good example. Okay. I actually have one. (laughs) I had to pause and think my brain is just totally not working today. I got two vaccines yesterday. I got the flu shot and the shingle shot because I'm 50 and I'm old. And then last night we're walking around in my neighborhood because I'm trying to like walk with my 11 year old at night again. We used to do that before my husband died and we haven't walked the dog in two years. Luckily it's a chihuahua. (laughs) I've been in my own hibernation, but we're starting to walk the neighborhood now that it's cool. And there was someone with like crazy Christmas lights, you know, the kind that like dance and sing. And so she wanted to stand there. And then I was like, fine. And we did. And we did that the night before too. And nothing happened, but we did it yesterday. And I get home and I start to get an aura, like a migraine aura. For those of you that got migraines and get auras, you know what I'm talking about. And I thought it was the Christmas lights. And I kept waiting for like, so my like the side of my left eye, like my vision was going wonky and it was like all those Christmas light colors. And so I thought, oh, you know, I just stared at it too long. And quickly I realized I was having a migraine, which really, really sucked because now today I have a headache. I can't move my head. I'm having like shingle symptoms. Like I feel like my body is like my nerves are on fire. You know, when you get like strep, I don't know if, okay, I know I'm going on a huge tangent, but, and then I feel fatigued. (laughs) And we're supposed to volunteer tonight and like bag food. And I'm feeling really exhausted. And that's why I'm not being able to speak properly to you. So that is the reason, but let's go back to helping you. So I noticed with my daughter, maybe like a month ago that she was spitting in the sink. So she goes and brushes her teeth in my bathroom only for convenience because I'm on the bottom floor and she's on the top. And so I have toothpaste in there for her. Not a big deal. And she'd come out of brushing her teeth and she would spit. And I didn't say anything for a little while because we don't want to always say something right away because it can be annoying for our kids. And then they think all you see is OCD and you might be wrong. It might be a one-off. Sometimes it can be a compulsive behavior, but it doesn't come back. And so you don't really need to say anything. And so I didn't say anything. And I just watched her spit in the sink and I thought, okay, well, I know spitting is a compulsion. And that was a bit weird. And then it happened over and over again. And probably I think the third week going into it, and you don't have to wait that long. I just, she had other like front burner OCD issues and she had major anxiety issues at the time. She was like afraid of going into my room. We had like this whole episode where she thought there was like bad guys in my luggage, in my closet. And so we were dealing with that. So I didn't want to overwhelm her. Um, but eventually I said, and this is just a generic way to talk about any of a new compulsion that you've noticed is happening for a period of time. I just said, you know, I noticed that you're spitting a lot after you brush your teeth. And I'm kind of wondering if that's O-Cloud, right? So I'm not saying, is that O-Cloud? I'm just, you know, being gentle about it. And I said, so I wonder what's the worst thing that would happen if you didn't spit? And she said, oh, well, it feels like I still have something in my mouth. feels like I still have like toothpaste or something gross in my mouth and it feels disgusting. I need to spit it out. Well, she's using some keywords. <laughs> this is a girl who has a history of disgust, um, a lot of disgust OCD. So that raised my red flag again. And she also has some sensory motor OCD. And so she also has the theme where she hyperfocuses on her body. Normally, it's been her bladder and hyperfocusing on the need to pee. I feel like she had something else that was related to her body recently, but I can't think of it. But this also had the same feeling, right? Like she's like hyperfocusing on the sensation of her mouth. 
And so I said to her at that time, because I know she can handle it. So you have to, you know, gauge and know what your kids can handle. But I said to her, you know, spitting is a really common compulsion. And so I wonder whether it's because she was getting a little defensive, like, it's not oak cloud. Like, it's just gross. There's something in my mouth. And I said, I understand that. And, I, and this is another technique that you can put in your toolbox when your kids are like, it's not a compulsion. What I said to her is, I understand that. But, you know, just to be safe, I think it would be a good idea if you could try not to spit. And she said, well, can I spit one time afterwards? And we want to start with baby steps. And so when my kids come back with a counter offer, I always take the counter offer because it's a counter offer, which means there's engagement, there's motivation, there is a hook, they're willing to do something and it makes them feel like they're in control. And ultimately, we want to make them feel empowered that you know they have agency to help themselves. And so I always take the counter offer um, as long as it doesn't involve a true compulsion or accommodation, or like it's an improvement from where we were. You know, if it's me standing in the door frame because she's afraid of a bad guy in the closet, as long as it's an improvement from where I was, you know, so stand, you know, in the kitchen instead of the door frame, then I'm willing to do that because any baby step is progress. So with her, I said, yeah, if you want, maybe just try to spit one time. And then, you know, if you feel the urge to do it again, and I dropped the OCD, I didn't talk say if O-Cloud says you should do it again, because there was some denial in there, um, or some non-readiness to discuss this as an OCD issue. I said, maybe try to fight the urge. And so with compulsions, in general, we talk about offense and defense. And if you go to my YouTube channel, and you type in offense, and you can't, you can't misspell it. <laughs> like, and you can't just do off. Like on my website, you can just do half a word or one word and it will pop up everything. YouTube's a little bit more sensitive. So you have to type in the whole word like offense and my video on offense and defense will pop up, which is one of my very favorite videos on YouTube because I refer to it so much because that's the approach that I teach in my classes is, you know, we want to play defense. How do I respond when OCD is knocking? which is when compulsions show up. And so when I'm feeling the urge to do a compulsion, what do I do? What's my defense? Do I recognize it's OCD? That's good. Do I delay it? That's even better. Do I ignore it? We're on fire now. Do I do the opposite? I mean, like we're burning up. That's amazing. And I may not be able to do, you know, and ignore in various situations. And so I might delay some things during the day. I might ignore some things. I might just call it out and say that's OCD sometimes, but I'm always playing the OCD game. That's what I teach in my class. And so that's why knowing compulsions is helpful because then we can help gamify it and say, when you feel like you need to do that, can you do it less or can, what would be your first step in, you know, in the OCD game? And I use that language if they've taken my class and they understand that, or if you've taken my class, that's the language that we use. And so it's again, and I know I say this a lot, but it's plug and play. It's like, here's this new compulsion, plug and play. Now the compulsion is not the thing we're really, that's the symptom, right? And so defense is important. You can, and parents will just say, you know, my child is spitting. So what do I do? Do I like, you know, prevent them from spitting? Do I like pull them back when I see them spitting? Do I punish them for spitting? You have nothing to do with it. You're the teacher. So you're a coach. And so you can discuss it and come up with a plan to support them. But ultimately, your child chooses whether they do a compulsion or not, unless it's involving you. And then you can choose your part. So, like my son has 
um, in the past said, I'm sorry a lot. And we actually spent almost an entire Zoom support group call yesterday with the teenagers on that topic. One, one kid said that he says, sorry. And then other kids were like, I say, I'm sorry. And then the whole call was like, you know, there was like 20 kids who were like, yeah, I say, I'm sorry too. And they were all giving each other advice on how to handle that. And I love that. Um, and my son has that too. And so I can say, if I'm involved in that, and I say, I notice that you're saying, I'm sorry, I don't get control whether he says it to me. We can do reassurance cards, which is something that I teach in my OCD class. But I also can say to him, you know, from now on, because I love you, I know Squishy, that's his OCD, wants me to say, it's okay when you say, I'm sorry. And from now on, I'm going to just say, um, sorry, not accepted, or you should be sorry. I'm going to give you an answer that is going to upset your OCD. And I'm doing that because I love you and I don't want to grow your OCD. And he's like, okay, because we are pretty far in our journey. Um, and initially when I started doing that, he didn't like it. You know, I could, he'd go, oh, you know, like I could tell it's like grating on him. But over time, he got used to it. And now he doesn't really say I'm sorry ever. We, then we moved on to thank you for a while. He's been saying thank you a lot. And that's a little bit trickier because, you know, I like when they say thank you, but not for random. Like he, he'd be like, thank you for taking me to the doctor. You know, thank you for yelling at me. Like crazy things that he's definitely not thankful for. And so we had to discuss that as well. So when it comes to identifying compulsions, you are going to do a couple of things. One, you're going to teach your child um, or explore with them like I did with my daughter with the spitting, that it might be a compulsion. You're going to explore that with them. You're not going to tell them it's a compulsion. You're going to say, I wonder if. What's the worst thing if you didn't do this, right? Get some data. Second thing is you're going to see if you're involved in it. And if you're not, there's nothing you can do with that. If you're involved, like with my son with I'm sorry, then I'm going to pull back my part and let him know from now on I'm going to pull back my part on that. Third thing is it's really good to harvest some data from that. So what can I get from that that goes back to the core fear or core feeling? And so for my daughter, it's like, ah, here is another example of disgust. And so now we have the stuff in her mouth, ketchup and mayonnaise makes her feel gross, things in the sink make her feel disgusted, hairballs make her feel disgusted. So now I'm getting like, and, and it's not like these are a million different issues. It's one issue. She gets the overwhelmed with the feeling of disgust and thinks she can't handle it. And so that's one of her core feelings. She's got multiple ones, but it's better to say, okay, we've got four themes that are going on on her plate right now. Then I have a gazillion intrusive thoughts and feelings. And there's like a million compulsions my child's doing. And that can feel really overwhelming because then you're like, I don't know where to start. Like there's all these intrusive thoughts and feelings and we get rid of some of them and then new ones pop up. Or sometimes parents will say, we get rid of this compulsion, but then another one pops up. And then it feels like, what's the point? It's like quicksand. It's like, you know, you wind up getting a leg out of the quicksand and then your whole body gets pulled down. Well, if you feel that way, it's good to watch the octopus YouTube video because I do talk about how it's not like that. It can feel that way because you are battling that tentacle. And so you're not aware of how the whole beast is doing. But when I realize that I'm just dealing with four or five themes and less a lot of the time. Like, let me see, my daughter has sensory motor OCD, so hyper-focused on some sensory motor issues, normally her bladder. She had the fear of throw-up, metaphobia. Um, she had some moral OCD recently and some existential issues. So I would say she has about four themes currently. And some are super mild that most parents wouldn't even know that their child had that. Um, and my son has 
Arthas. So he's got avoidant restrictive food intake disorder themes around his food, restrictive eating. The pans thing is going on with my son. Um, and he has some poking issues that were intrusive, but are are gone. And he gets songs stuck in his head. So that's a theme in and of itself. And those are his main ones. He doesn't really have a lot. Oh, no, he's got moral OCD. <laughs> I don't know why my kids have just recently developed moral OCD, both of them. But they're minor because they're small weeds and we we pull at them as soon as we start seeing them, which helps. And so knowing that you have some of these big, so you got like maybe a main dish of moral OCD and a side dish of contamination or the contamination can be related to the moral. It can get smushy in there. Your food can blend together, but you don't have a gazillion things. And then you're doing exposures like you are going to the gym. And so offense is going to the OCD gym and building up those muscles. And so the defense is how are you going to handle a compulsion when it happens, right? So with my daughter, it's like, are you going to try to spit less, you know, or, you know, if she can work on it down the road, it might be to add a little something in her mouth on purpose to sit with the discomfort that it's causing. Perhaps she may not have to do that. She can might just, you know, avoid the compulsion and be fine for my son. You know, he might say, I'm going to try to only say, I'm sorry, three times today or eight times. However, number is, you know, smaller than what they normally ask. And then for my role, I'm going to not beat OCD. And so I'm going to play defense by saying, I'm sorry, Squishy is wanting to be grown right now. Tell Squishy that a sorry is not accepted. And then I shorten it to just, I'm sorry, it's not accepted. Or yeah, you should be sorry. We kind of have a jokey relationship. That's all defense. But now if I see a new compulsion and maybe I say, you know, I notice that my daughter only likes even numbers because she says, if it's an odd number, something bad will happen. Well, what bad thing will happen? Well. I'll throw up or I'll see someone throw up. Okay, well, now I'm getting to a core fear, right? Lots of people have magical thinking. Lots of people have compulsions around numbers, but now I know you're doing it because you're afraid that you might see someone throw up or you might throw up. And then they might check with me. Do I have a temperature? You know, do I look sick? Do I look pale? No, honey, you look fine. What's the worst thing that can happen if you are pale? Well, I could get sick. I could throw up. Okay, we're back to the core fear of throw up, right? Um, And then maybe they spit sometimes and you're like, What's the worst thing that would happen if you don't spit? Well, I feel like I I had something gross in my mouth. And if I don't spit it out, then what if I throw up? All right, we're back to throw up again. So all these compulsions are giving me data that say the core fear in in all of these compulsions. And again, they may not all be the same core fear or core feeling. We're looking at a few of them perhaps, but is the fear of throw up a metaphobia? So then when I'm playing offense, right? I am proactively triggering something so that my OCD can experience that feeling of potentially throwing up or potentially being around someone who's sick on purpose. And so I'm going to do exposures around my core fear or core feeling. And that is really powerful. And having a good combination of offense and defense is ideal. Now, sometimes your kids aren't ready yet and you may not even be able to do defense. You might just be doing education. And so it takes time to get to offense and defense, but both are are very powerful together. And that's the other thing that we're going to be doing with compulsions is getting data so that I can say, okay, this is your core fear. Oh, you're afraid of lying. Um, We can do exposures around lying. You know, maybe we do two truths and a lie as an exposure. So you tell me two things and one thing is a lie and I have to guess what it is. And I do the same for you. Exposures don't have to be painful. They could be fun. You can be really creative and do something and it could be fun and fruitful at the same time. So that's just some things to think about. 
As far as what to do when you see new compulsions, offense, defense, your role in it, data collecting, help you figure out some of those core fears or core feelings so that you can craft more effective exposures, communicate that with a therapist if you have one. And that's like gold for a therapist. If you can be that kind of parent who comes in and says, well, I noticed that she has this, this, and this compulsion, and we explored it, and these are her core fears. I mean, a therapist is going to want to explore it too, because I know I would, but it saves a lot of time for you as a family to be that educated and your child to be that educated. And really the ultimate goal is to give you all the tools to help yourself. And the ultimate, ultimate goal is to help your child have the tools to help themselves. Because at the end of the day, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? This is their journey, not ours. We are just the passengers and they're in the driver's seat. And it's our job to coach them, guide them, support them so that ultimately they can take full reign of that wheel and have a happy life. And that's why we're all here. So I hope that you found that helpful. If you are enjoying my podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcasts. If you have a few extra minutes, if you can leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. I did get a couple. So I I thank those new people who have left a review because I always like to end my show reading one of them if I have one. And I'll be honest when I don't, <laughs> like nobody's left me a review in a while, but I have. Um, so I want to thank Christina. I don't think I read her review because I don't think I've recorded since I saw this, but I might have, but that's okay. I can tell you. Thank you again. She wrote very helpful. This podcast is very encouraging and practical for families who deal with OCD and anxiety. So thank you for taking the time to write a review. And maybe if you write one for me, I'll be reading yours next time. Uh, don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do and the sparkle in your kids that is beyond anxiety and OCD. And I'll be back again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.